So, as Dan says, we're going through this heroic faith. We're going through people um, that sort of been on a journey, different circumstances in their life, different things that have happened to them, different opportunities, directions they've gone in. Um, and it sort of reminded me, it made me laugh when I was thinking about this, about journeys and things. We always say in our house, we, we always like somebody that's been on a journey. We always like somebody, you know, if you watch um, the reality shows, uh, Bake Off's on at the minute, isn't it? We, we, and we sort of like somebody that's been through something, that's had an experience, that's sort of gone into something. Um, and the past few weeks, like we said, that's what we've been doing, different characters that we've been looking at and seeing a snippet of their life. Um, and in my life, uh, we've all been on journeys. It's been interesting the past few weeks. Um, we've had quite a few events go off. Um, I mean, in your households, I'm sure that you've had um, kids that have had exams, they've been doing exams, they've had the results, so it's sort of a start of their journey onto the next step. We've had uh, Abby, she's just done her GCSEs, and we've had Loni come home from uh, graduating at uni. Uh, she was 21 as well. We celebrated uh, my dad's 70th. Um, and also I got a 30 years award at work for being in service at work for 30 years. So we've all gone through different stages, had different events in our lives. So it's been an in interesting few weeks reflecting back over life situations and life things. And uh, they alone bring frustrations, don't they? They bring happiness, they bring joy, they bring sadness, they bring different things. Um, so that led me, um, I don't know if Dan's already said, to the guy Abraham. Now, Abraham has been a massive influencer lately in my life. It's one of the reasons why I'm stood here this morning, perhaps, or a part of Redeemer King. Um, you will find Abraham, the guy in the book of Genesis in the Bible, in the first bit. For those that you don't uh, know the Bible, don't have one with you, he's in the first, first book of the Bible. And he takes up a good chunk of the Bible. He takes about 14 chapters, so he's quite an important character. And he also, he's referenced... Um, I think nearly 300 times in the Bible, even Jesus references him 13, 14 times. So he's quite an important character and he's a good person to look at. So I'd encourage you, we're going to look at a short snippet. I can't go through it all this morning because it's just so much. Um, but we're going to look at a short snippet on how God has affected his life and what it's done. So I would encourage you to, to look at it afterwards if you, if you get chance. So Abraham this man um, who God worked upon, who God influenced. And we're going to start and look at it, and we're going to look in the book of, not in Genesis, but the book of Hebrews. So if you want to turn to chapter 11 in your Bibles. Just open my here. Okay. Um, and here, this uh, chapter 11, for those of you who don't know, it's, called, it's sort of called the faith chapter. It has lots of different characters, lots of different people um, that have been influenced by God. So I'm just going to read this for you this morning as we look at it. And it's going to talk and it's going to just show us a little bit of Abraham. Okay, I'm going to start at um, chapter 11 and we're going to start at verse 8. So by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. 
for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. By faith Abraham, even though he was a past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered himself faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And when they admitted that there were aliens and strangers on earth, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So, there we go. Some complicated way there, some bits that he talks about, heavenly places and cities and things, but we're going to have a look at a short snippet of what Abraham did in his life. Verse 8 um, there starts off, doesn't it? By faith it talks about. So we're talking, um, this is going back 4,000 years or so from now. So it's, it's a long time ago that this happened, even though um, the Hebrews part that we just read is in the New Testament, so that's after Jesus. So, so Abraham is before Jesus in the Old Testament part. And he, he goes out and he goes out and he leaves his place, doesn't he? He tells us that he goes out and I will go out and do something for God. But it's more than that, because we do leave our places, don't we? We move house, we move out, we leave our families, we perhaps go out, change our jobs, we do this um, thing from when we're born, really. We're sort of guided to perhaps leave home, almost, as it were. But right back at the start, God says to Abram, I want you to leave. So let's just take a, a brief outline of Abram and what, what actually Abram is about. If we could have the first picture up, please. So, oh, it's not very clear. That's an artist's impression, okay? It's nothing special. It's just an artist's impression. But the archaeologists have been, um, have been looking at, um, at different things. And they found in digs and places, cities and great wonderful places. Now Abraham first steps out from a place called Ur, okay, Mesopotamia. So this is, the, this is a sort of an archist impression of what it would look like, but they've been digging and archeologists have found cities like this and perhaps one like this where Abraham would have been. Now he was on um, the Gulf, uh, the Persian Gulf, which would have been a great, great place for trade, great city, lots of people living there, okay. Probably advanced in their way. Um, looking, at the, looking at the artist's impression, we don't know if that's true. But what we do know is that he came from this place in Acts 7. It says that he stepped out from here. Um, Stephen tells us this. He says, 
Um, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So if you can imagine this then, so we're told that he steps out, we're told that he leaves a city, we're told that he leaves his family behind, he leaves his country, he leaves his people, and he's going to go to a place he doesn't know, and he's going to go to a foreign place. So he's going to be on his own. He's going to be an alien there as it is. Okay? At this point, Abraham's getting on for 75. Now, I suppose in my own life, I'm, I'm 46 now, so it would be quite amazing to suddenly just say, okay, I've got security, I live in a great place, I have wonderful things in my life. I'm just going to get up and go. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm just going to get up and go. So when you look at it like that, Abraham's story starts to be quite amazing. That he would just suddenly say, okay, family, things, money, wealth, a fantastic city, perhaps like London or New York. I'm just going to step out and go. He's taking a big step out of his lifestyle. And I think sometimes when we have a comfortable life or we have a lifestyle that we're in, not necessarily doesn't have to be wealthy, but it's a security, it's a safety net. And I think that also can drive how we act and the decisions that we can perhaps make. You know, there's the worry of always financial worries, isn't there? There's the security of what people think of us and what drives us, what, what moves us on. So why would Abraham suddenly say, I'm going to go out, I'm going to leave all that behind. Why would I just suddenly do that? And God says, and he trusts God and God says to him, I want you to go, I want you to go. God really had a fantastic thing with Abraham. In 2 Corinthians, uh, sorry, 20, uh, 2 Corinthians 20, verse 7 here. Our God did not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it over to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. Abraham, your friend. Can you imagine to have God as your friend? Do you think the decisions that Abraham is making, the security of knowing when God says, I want you to go out, I'm your friend. As I thought about this, and it was quite challenging in my own life and the things that I've learned, what does somebody say when, what does it bring up in your mind's eye if God is your friend? What, what does that person look like if God is their friend? What do you see in yourself as God is your friend? And I, I thought about this, and I thought, well, is it to, to well, 
I didn't realize that God was their friend. I didn't realize that they knew God or God knew them. Or is it that, yeah, well, that person, yeah, there's definitely something strange. There's, there's something different about that person. That's why it is. God is their friend. I can tell by their actions. I can tell by their decisions. There's something, yeah, that person is different. And as I reflected on this and as I looked at it, um, I was reading also a story um, about a guy um, from Wales, which is, I feel, is my second home nearly because I love Wales. I, we go there a lot. I support him in the rugby. So um, perhaps that's bad of me because I'm an Englishman. But anyway, Wales. So he's Welsh, this guy. And his name is David Davis. Um, and I got this book um, from Nigel, I don't think he's here this morning, passed it on. Um, and he's, he's a missionary back in the 19, 1920s, 1940s, and he goes to China. Perhaps some of you have read the book, I don't know, and I'll, I'll pass it round if you want it. It's a great book, but um, it, it really, really spoke to me in a sense that uh, this guy, he goes, uh, he starts off his life at school, um, and there's some China, Chinese family come and live um, in Wales, in this village, and then they go to the school. And, he, and from that moment on, he has this connection that he needs to do something for Chinese, for, for the Chinese people. He needs to be a part of their life, even from such a small age. He doesn't know why, he just has this connection. And he grows up in this tough, tough village. He's a, quite a tough character, boxes and does all sorts of things. Um, but he has a love for the Lord. He's brought up in a, in a home and he has a love for the Lord. And he goes out and he gets a job, uh, amazingly, over in China um, as a dockman. And as he's working in the docks, um, he has to act in a way that is absolutely non-questionable, in a sense. He has to act as a person that when people look at him, there's nothing that they can say is bad about him. Because he's stopping people from coming in delivering opium. He's stopping people in delivering... Um, arms and this sort of thing and he gets a name and he's known as the Jesus man they call him the Jesus man which I thought was quite wonderful but even at that point he still has a drive he still has a thing that he needs to do and I, I, I'm just going to read you the short very short part of his book because as it goes on and in the 1940s obviously you know that the war breaks out the war comes along and um, as he's going through he ends up getting captured as a missionary and he's in the prison of war camps and there's torture and there's killing and there's death and, and he, just, he just has this unbelievable overwhelming partnership with God, this friendship with God saying, I know you're here God. I don't understand it. I don't know why. Why would this happen to me but I know you're here. And it talks about David um, taking opportunities within the cell to preach the gospel. Now, if you can imagine, he's in a prisoner of war camp where he's treated horribly, he's beaten, he's not really meant to talk about it. 
But God uses him. God uses him to bring people to Christ. Even in that circumstance, God uses him to be able to talk about Jesus. And then he realizes why he's there. He realizes the plan that God has got for him. Because God is his friend. God is with him. So, I start off with talking about this journey, this life that we're all on. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, do we understand where we're going? What makes us go in the direction we go? What decide decisions? What decide, how do we decide what is necessary? Is it ourselves? Is it the influence of others? Is it our lifestyle? When we talk about God and we talk about Jesus and we talk about his influence and what we have in Jesus, Jesus left something behind called the Spirit. And Paul wrote a wonderful part in Romans. And he says, you, however, are controlled not by sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And in the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Talking about control. Control is either restricting, depending on what type of control it is, whether it's your lifestyle, whether it's money, whether it's food, whether it's something that you just want to do, that you must do. But also it can be very freeing depending on what you give it over to, what worries you give over to. As we look at this and how God influences Abraham to step out, to go out on a journey, he goes out because God is his friend, because he knows God is in control of his life. He knows that wherever he's going, God is going to be with him because of how he is with God. In Genesis 12, so that's where it is. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and I will show you. I will show you. He doesn't say, this is where you're going. This is what I want you to do, Abraham. I'm going to show you what I need you to do. And then he goes on to bless him. I will make you into a great nation, he says, and I will bless you. And we sung that song earlier um, that Matt had picked. It really resonated about being blessed. I mean, who doesn't want to be blessed? Who doesn't want to have that in their life? <clears throat> I make you a great nation, he says, and you will be a blessing. If we go back just a little bit there, are we ready in... Um, Hebrews earlier, Terah, uh, that's his father, that's Abraham's father, okay, he's living with them, and just a little bit further back, it just says that Sarah, his wife, is barren. 
So how's this nation going to come from Abraham? So not only is he leaving everything behind, not only is he stepping out to a place that he has no idea. Don't forget, in this time, in this age we're talking about, it will be going to a place that is quite violent. It will be bandits. There will be wars. He would be a complete stranger on his own. And he's taking his wife. And God says, I'm going to bless you because you're doing this for me, Abraham. I'm going to be with you, Abraham, and I'm going to give you a nation. The real security that Abraham got is God. And it's the same for us. What are we putting our trust in? What are we putting our security in? What are we putting our relationship in? When I first opened this and it first, I first looked at it months ago, the thing that struck me is that Abraham knew God. Abraham knew God. He didn't know of him. He perhaps heard about him, obviously. But we can all hear about Jesus. We can all hear about things that happen, but we need to know the person. We need to have that bond. We need to have that relationship. You know, my friends, I love my friends and my family, and it's great to be able to spend time with them, isn't it? I'm sure you're the same. I'm sure you love to spend time with your family. I'm sure you love to spend time with your friends. I'm sure you love to have that time where you can just have a brew, have a cup of tea, have a coffee, whatever it is, have a piece of cake and have a chat and just sit down with them and share and talk and say, I've had a real bad week this week. Or I've had a fantastic week this week. And this has happened and that's happened and the other's happened. Or you can just be meeting up because you want to meet up. And that's how it should be with God. Abraham and God were friends. It tells us that. Um, and you, to do this, you've just got to spend a little time in his presence. You know, we've just been away um, a couple of weeks ago. We went away to Bude. Um, and I love, I love being able to just um, have quiet moments, let's call them. But I was out running. <coughs> um, it was a pretty, pretty foul day. And I just needed to go out and have a bit of time. And the weather was uh, horrendous. And so it's still warm, but it was grey and overcast and raining, and I just needed to... So I went for a bit of a run, and it's a lovely part of the country, Bude. Um, and I went up onto the mountain path on my run. And when I was up there, when I run, I tend to pray, I tend to speak to God. I, I love it in those moments where I'm just, just having a time, usually sometimes in the car, I'll just talk, talk with him. And I was talking to him, and it was just so lovely... Even though it was raining, it, well, the wind was howling, and he was there, and his presence was revealed within his creation. But that only comes around by spending time with him and sharing with him. As Abram went on his path, as he walked with God, he did it by trusting, by believing. It's by the grace of God 
that we can have that, that we are saved because of what Jesus has done. You know, our daily relationship with God, our walk is, is living by his faith, by our faith in him, not by what we're shown or what we can see. We're told about it. And God does reveal things to us, but he also asks us to act. He asks us to step out. It doesn't have to be anything big. It doesn't have to be anything amazing. It could just be perhaps that God wants you to serve the coffees. Perhaps God wants you to be part of setup. Perhaps God wants you to just get alongside somebody. Perhaps God wants you to just have that few moments together with somebody. But that's not everybody's great thing to do. It's not always easy sitting next to somebody and having a chat to somebody you don't know. Perhaps it's a pain in the neck taking the coffee stuff home. But if God's called you to do it, perhaps it's a good thing to do then. What does our walk look like? As we're at work, as we're at school perhaps, It takes a commitment. You know, we've got the baptism coming up, haven't we? Which is a fantastic thing. These people are saying, look, I'm showing God that he's in my life. I want to proclaim him. I want to know him better. I want to step out for him. I want to go out. And as we go on in Abraham's journey, as we venture on in his life, he moves on. And he takes a step here in uh, verses 4 onwards. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. And Lot, that's uh, his brother-in-law, went with him. Abram was 75 years old, as we said, and he set out from Haram. He took with him his wife, Sarah, his nephew Lot, and the possessions and the people he had. So he, he would be like a shepherd. He would have um, animals and all the rest of it going with him. And he travelled along in this land to the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at the time, the Canaanites were in this land, so these are the people that live where he's going. He doesn't know them, he has no idea about them. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and he said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So Abraham knows that God is giving him to his offspring. He knows that God is good on his promise. And what does Abraham do? He builds an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then he moves on from that place and he says, there he built another altar. And we see him build several altars. But he just doesn't build the altar. He calls out to God. He says, uh, here he says, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord in verse 8. Now when in this time building altars was sort of a symbol, it was saying, I want to say, yes, God is here. I want to proclaim God. And the Hebrew word um, about um, where it says called is sort of saying, I'm shouting out God. I'm proclaiming God. I'm crying out. So he's in a strange place. He's in a place he doesn't know. And there he is saying, people, look at God. I want to tell you about God. I want to share God with you writes amongst these strangers, right amongst these people that he doesn't know. I'm a follower 
of God. God is my friend. You know, Abraham's faith is what makes him committed in a sense, makes him want to act, makes him want to have God in his life. He worshiped and prayed. You know, and, and that's what we also need in our lives if we want to have that relationship with God. We've got to be prepared to build the altars. We've got to be prepared to spend time with God and have a relationship. We've got to be prepared to put time aside and pray with God. We've got to be with God, regularly renewing. You know, as, as Abraham moved on, he stopped at one place and he remembered God and he worshipped him. And then he stopped at another place. And in our daily lives, we need to stop and take a breath and say, God, I can hear you. God, I want to be with you. God, I want to spend time with you. God is always there. It is ours that moves around. It is ours that changes direction. But God is always there, never changing. God wants us to talk to him. He wants us to share with him. He wants us to have that relationship with him. Through the tough times and the good. It's not like a tap. We send, you know, you very often find, and I find this at work, you know, people will, will very often perhaps call on God at the rough moments, which is no bad thing, but we can't just call on him on those times. We need to be doing it all the time. Like our friends and our family, those relationships build, those bonds build because we spend time with them. We share with them. We build it up. And the question that was laid on my heart is, how much of a relationship do I want with God? Do I want to know God like Abraham knew God? Do I want to prioritize my life, my worship, my family life, my work, so that I can know God better? <coughs> But then that in itself can be issues, can bring challenges, can bring problems, can bring choices and decisions that we perhaps don't really want to make. As we move on, Abraham has a big decision to make. There's a famine in the land. So verse 10 reads, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was, uh, sorry, because the famine was severe. And he was about to enter Egypt. He said to his wife, Sarah, I know that you're a beautiful woman. Now, I, th I think that's a good thing to say to all our, our wives. But in the Bible, she, she's proclaimed as being something fantastic. So I want you to say to the Egyptians, I want you to say that you're my sister, he's saying. Because he knows that when they see her, how fantastic and how beautiful she is, that they're going to want to take her in as their own. And if they do that and they find out that Abraham's her husband, then they, he has to go. He can't have the both. So he says, look, we, we need to go here because it's, you know, it's the famine severe. So... In a sense, he has a bit of wisdom and using a, a bit of common sense saying, well, yeah, we need to go there because we've no food here. But on the other hand, then he has a sudden knee-jerk reaction and says, oh, but this is going to happen. We Fear creeps in. 
Fear can be very controlling. It can make us forget where God is. It can make us forget our relationship. I mean, there's a beautiful thing in, uh, in Matthew. I'm sure most of you will know the story where Jesus walks on water and the disciples are in the boat and he goes out to them and Peter steps out and he gets on the water and then all of a sudden he recognizes the storm and the waves around him and he starts to sink. For that brief moment, his focus is gone. The fear of the things around him suddenly take his focus away. His trust, his faith, perhaps, just dwindle a little. Circumstances, if we can allow them, can impact on our lives, can't they? They're always there. I'm sure you've all got stories that you can share with us that, you know, will break people's hearts and stories that would bring us great joy. But the focus is that we need to keep God in focus. We've been given a snippet here and my time is uh, going on. of how Abraham is dealing with things. Faith can bring obedience, but in that self it brings a challenge. And so if we remember where God is, when we're making the decisions, when we're making things that impact our life, we know we, we had a, um, a great time last night. We went uh, round to uh, Dan's house and we were, we were having a barbecue with uh, the 1830s and there was a few of us there um, and they, they asked for a panel, which absolutely frightened the life out of me to, to throw questions at. Um, <clears throat> and there was, uh, uh, Chris was there, Therese and Simon, uh, Mike and Louise and, and myself. I, I didn't give a lot of input. I was, I was there as a listening part. <laughs> but I, like I said, the odd comment. And uh, it was great that these people um, were sort of giving out these questions of, well, what does this mean? What does that do? You know, we've all got people around as we share experiences. How, how does God do this in your life? Or how does God do that? And it was, it was great to be able to share that. It was great to be able to have that time of talking about God and saying, yeah, God, God does this or God means that. But you can only get that because of spending time with him. You know, Abraham wasn't perfect. And when we talk about him as this great, fantastic character, which he is, but he's still a human being. He's still a person that has flaws. None of us are perfect. Abraham knew God, though. And God had this plan that he needed to work out. God had promised Abraham that he would make this nation. God had promised him that he would bless him. So as Abraham has gone into the country and he's gone down into Egypt and he shared this about <clears throat> saying, well, you must, you, must, you must tell them I'm your sister. You must say this to, to the Egyptians. But as we read on, Lord, 
the Lord needs to work his plan out. God needs to say what is going to happen. Because God is a God that does not go back on his promises. If we put our trust in our friends and our family, which is, which is good, but is it 100%? So we read on and it says in verse 17, But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham. What have you done to me, he said? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my, my sister? So that I look, so that I took her as my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave orders to Abraham and his men that they be sent on his way. I think sometimes we have to be careful of how we act and what we do. It can have influences on other people. God has a plan. We don't know that plan. We don't know what's going to work out. But God absolutely does. And he wanted that assurity. The next stage in Abraham's life... is another bit where he shows, I guess, of how we should act, how we should be if we're reflecting God. So Abraham leaves Egypt in verse 13, and he goes with his wife and everything he had lot. Abraham had become very wealthy with livestock and silver and gold. From the Negev he went from this place, until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. And again, Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So again, he, he's having that time with God again. He's not forgetting God. Now, a lot of who was with him was moving about with Abraham. Also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support both of them so they, as they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. After, and quarrelling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's. Isn't it fantastic that even though they've gone out, they've been blessed, they could have all lost their lives with the Egyptians. They have this fantastic wealth now. They have these possessions that they have. But Lot suddenly turns around and the people within there start quarrelling about it. So Abraham says to Lot in verse 8, Let's not have any quarrelling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before us. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So I look, looked up and saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So they don't know what's going to happen. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. And the two men part a company. 
Can you imagine? As he stepped out and he's been blessed and he's gone with his, his family and he's gone with his wife Sarah and he's taken his nephew along with him and Lot's shared in this but he's not satisfied, is he? He's not satisfied with what he has. It must have broken Abraham's heart to say, Lot, let's not quarrel. Take whatever you want. Would it have not been far better for Lot to say, wow, we've been on a fantastic journey together. We've had a great time together. Look how the Lord has blessed us. Look how God has used us. He's putting us in a place that we don't know, but he's with us. But it's not enough for Lot. Let's not quarrel. Perhaps should have been the thing that they should have drawn on. Perhaps Lot should have said to his men, come on. God is our friend. Why are we quarreling? Look what God has done for us. Abraham knew God. And I think that believe, and I believe, and I know that that influenced his decision. We've got all this lot, we've got all this before us. You choose. Take what you want, lot. But I have my God. I have my God. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk in an obedience to God if we choose to. As Jesus did. As he was obedient on the cross. So that we can have that relationship with God. There is this gap that is between us and God that Jesus has filled that he's bridged it so that we might have this fantastic relationship with him and that we can call him his friend. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget what he does. We might not know what's happening in the future. Who knows what's going to happen in an hour's time? We're going to have a fantastic time in the park, I hope. But we don't know what's happening tomorrow. We may think we know what's happening tomorrow. Depending on if you choose to follow God or not. Abraham was looking to a far greater place. He was looking at a place where he was going to spend time with God. His faith takes him on an amazing journey and my story ends here with him because I think it's just given us a picture now of what Abraham the person is like. He's not perfect. Things do come in his life that frighten him. Influences do affect him. But when he shares them with God, when he remembers God, when he calls upon the name of God, we can see what a difference it makes in his life. God wants to bless him. And God wants to bless us.